Hello everyone, quick announcement to let you know that later this month, August 11th through 13th, Dana will be at the Key City Steampunk Festival in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. The Key City Steampunk Festival is an event and celebration of a wonderful community and genre that brings us all together to enjoy one another's creativity, knowledge, craft, and dedication to excellence. So, if you're anywhere near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, come check that out and say hi to Dana. And for more information, go to wordsbydana.com. Also, Steam Powered Movies is now on Instagram and Threads, so please follow us there at Steam Powered Movies to stay in touch, chat with us, and send in your comments and suggestions. That's all for now. Now on with the show. I did notice that he spoke French at one point. He I is French. Did you not realize from this horrible French accent <laughs> that he is French and he says, I will do the dig? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is a recurring segment on this podcast. Dana does bad accents. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Steam Power Movies. This voice you're hearing right now. This is me. My name is Mike. I'm one of your hosts. Hello, and this is me. I am also one of your hosts. My name is Dana Frederick. I am a steampunk and fantasy author, as well as numerous other things. Yes. The many things, one of those things is watching movies together, specifically steampunk movies. We are watchers of movies. (laughs) (laughs) Put that on your business card. Yep. That's what we do here on Steam Powered Movies. We watch a steampunk movie and then we talk about it. And today we watched Atlantis, The Lost Empire, the 2001 Disney animated movie starring Michael J. Fox and Jim Varney, and we watched it, and now we get to tell you what we thought of it. What are our thoughts? How steampunk is it? Some other things about it, and stick around to the end. We'll give it our special ratings, so stay around for that. Dana, what did you think of Atlantis, The Lost Empire? Uh, what What's kind of your background with this movie? Spoiler alert. I love this film. This is going to be a love fest. <laughs> okay. I adore this film. I think it is one of like Disney's most underrated films. Princess Kida is one of the most underrated princesses. I just, I, there's so many things I love about it. Also, you didn't mention John Mulhoney. Mulhoney? Is that his name? Anyway. I don't know. We know the guy. The dad from Frasier. He's also. Oh, that's what that voice is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know it. So. He's in this as um, the the sort of benevolent billionaire guy. Um, and he's also in one of my other favorite films, Iron Giant. So like he sort of just appears in multiple of my favorite films. And he's just a really great actor. I really love him. Yeah, I, I, I think he's good. I, I like him. And he just has a really good voice. I put his voice up there with um, who's the guy who does the press guy in Spider-Man. The press guy in Spider-Man. Yeah, he's always like talking about libel and stuff. Oh, the one who plays J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, that guy. You're putting me on the spot here. I am. Remember his name. I am failing at remembering the name of that guy. He was also in Whiplash. I'm picturing his face. He's in an Amazon original show called Counterpart. And his name is... J.K. Simmons. Oh, well done. Oh, you did it. I'm so glad. That, I found it. I tried yeah. to keep talking. No, his his voice reminds me of like same level as J.K. Simmons and like recognizability, energy, like range, all of it. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's good. So 
you've seen this movie before. Yeah. Have you? I couldn't remember. I don't think I had. No. Really? I thought I might have. And then we started watching it and I was like, nope, I don't recognize this. This is new for me. How are we married? And you uh, haven't seen this. Well, there was, I gave you a ring. There were some oh vows gosh. involved. <laughs> Apparently I did it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And you screening Atlantis was not part of the marriage proposal part. And I messed up. Uh, we have to go back and do it all over again. Oh my goodness. We were learning so much already. <laughs> I didn't know that was part of the deal. Well, we finally did it. We finally watched Atlantis together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how this podcast is going to go. Because... Do you not like it? I did not really vibe with this film. Oh my gosh! So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Our marriage ends as soon as it started. Oh my goodness. Oh, how do you not like it? This film is amazing. We'll we'll get into it. There's a few things. Oh my gosh. There's there's a few things. Friends, listeners, I am having a crisis because I don't understand how the person I am married to, I didn't know you at all. Okay, well think 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 about me. Think about me already knowing that you had seen this film and you loved it and it was one of your favorites and we started watching it and I was not enjoying this it very much. This isn't about you! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And I knew I was going to have to break it to you <laughs> on the recording. Oh no! This, is... <laughs> this podcast has started horribly! I did not anticipate this being the direction we went in. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. We were talking about doing this film for this podcast because you were like well we haven't had a love fest in a while we've had some movies that we were very critical of lately let's do something that we're really going to enjoy oh my gosh and i i mean it's it it's okay it's got some redeeming qualities uh which you know we will we will touch on as we journey through discussing this film and what we thought you are completely off balance here i am i like <laughs> i want to get up and walk away you are but there's no way to do that dramatically um on a podcast when there's no door there's no door to slam <laughs> yes it's, it's like a blanket on rungs and that's just not the same effect this is an audio medium uh, an audio uh format no video so yeah you cannot dramatically walk out Oh I'm sorry. We just have to talk our way through this. Just... We have to just keep talking until we we get through it. So, okay, since this just... is a podcast about steampunk films, why did we choose this movie? Let's okay. talk about why is this movie classified as steampunk? Okay, we'll we'll get to ripping off the band-aid later, I guess. Okay. This it's movie is steampunk. A little bit at a time. Here this movie is steampunk because everything. Because we have it's it's set in 1914 which admittedly okay. is after queen victoria has died so we're after the victorian era so the timing is a little bit off but like we have pneumatic tubes i love a pneumatic tube fun fact okay oh you mean like the the message thing yeah, yeah, that yeah. goes to the boiler room where yeah. where uh, michael j fox works yes so we have Whatever pneumatic tubes is. michael j fox his name seriously they say they say his name like fifty hundred times in the film. Thatch something Thatch. His name is Milo Thatch. That's right. His Milo. grandfather is Thaddeus Thatch, which is an A plus name. That is a good name. I will give an A grade to the name Thaddeus Thatch. Okay, getting back to why this movie is steampunk. We should also probably after. Okay, I I just 
I'm so caught off guard. We're all out of balance. <laughs> but okay, first, maybe we should start with why is this or like what makes a movie steampunk? And you know what? Because you've you've hurt my heart so much today, you oh, have no. to explain what is steampunk. Well, usually we define steampunk as set in or near the Victorian era with uh, Victorian type fashion and using futuristic type technology based in steam power. That's where we get the name steampunk. So like say a steam powered time machine or spaceship or any other kind of gadget. Mike, no. Usually there's like gears and stuff involved. And, there are no spaceships. And, and levers. Well, not in this movie, but there could be. Airships, Mike. Yes, airships. Oh my gosh. I feel like you've been replaced with a body snatcher person type thing. Well, I also didn't really see much steampunk in this movie. I just, did you, we watch the same film? I, I believe we did. Oh we gosh. were sitting across the couch from each other. So <laughs> I think we watched the same movie. I'm so upset right now. <laughs> just, okay. So anyway, so, okay. You vaguely, that is the definition of steampunk, whatever, whatever. Um, For better definitions of steampunk please listen to our previous episodes <laughs> or future episodes i'm sure we'll do better <laughs> but when i mean we are better at putting words together the the vessel in the in the initial opening it was so twenty thousand leagues under the sea it was it was very much a nautilus type of ship then yeah it, it looked very nautilus yeah exactly so like that's that's like a huge big steampunk thing and then you know we had airships like the air balloon thing at the end there was one at the end yes. yeah so we had that like you had all like the cool like you know dynamitey like what's his face um vinny he's like doing like a clock kind of thing like with the dynamite. everything is very cobbled together in that very steampunk kind of spirit i i think it totally fits yes we're getting a little bit into diesel punk and whatnot because we're yeah. so close to yeah. world war one in this but there are some very strong steampunk elements there's like that whole like exploration thing where like oh like a very very rich person is paying a whole bunch of people to go on an expedition of exploration like that's such a steampunk thing yeah but like as far as the technology i wrote down like four things that were maybe kind of steampunk it was basically they had boilers were featured heavily Boilers yeah. were featured heavily. Uh, there was an airship at the end, and then at the very end, and of course we're gonna spoil the movie. Uh, spoilers. Uh, when like the Iron Giants come out to save the city. I also thought of them as like Iron Giants. I wrote that down that they're like kind of Iron Gianty, and that made me really happy. Yeah, like the the metal bodies with the the steel traps and the big eyes and stuff. Those were those were pretty steampunky, but those are like brief moments in this to me you know like you said we're set in the 19 teens when they have combustion engines already which are mentioned in the first five minutes it's it's kind of it's kind of late period at least so i i i didn't find it very steampunk okay no, that that's my assessment that'll just come into our rating at the end it, it will it will stick around for that so well that's why we're watching this film because mm -hmm. some classify it as steampunk it's a hundred percent steampunk. And Dana really likes this movie. It's so that's so why we good. watched it. Too. I did I was the one to choose it this this time. So what what do you like so much about this film? There's just there's so many good things. My gosh. Okay. So 
Wow. Okay. This is this is a really long list. So just like strap in. Okay. 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 We're strapped in. So there's snappy dialogue for one, which I think you did at least catch. Yeah. Yeah. So snappy dialogue. Hooray. Really good dialogue writing. Love it. There are. It's Disagree. A, what? <laughs> what is happening in my life right now? What? I put the dialogue writing of this film up like, okay, not at the same level, because let's be honest, he's a legend, but near Terry Pratchett level. Ooh, really? My gosh! What do you find so bad about this film? I don't think we were, we were really watching the same film. I mean, I think you had a very different perspective because you first watched it when you were much younger and it left a positive impression on you. Funny enough, I'm watching it again now. And the nostalgia holds up. I didn't think the writing was very good, actually. I thought the there was just like a lot of jokes peppered in the first, I don't know, like 30, 40 minutes or so. I found it very Marvel-esque and that it just felt like it needed to throw in jokes. Like we had a montage going on. We were like yada yadaing past all this exploration and him like going through the book and figuring out how to get to the next place just montaging our way through that and then we cut in to like 10 seconds of dialogue that's just like a quick joke that's making fun of him like what's the point of that i will say they do lean kind of hard into like the bullying the nerd kind of yeah. trope but then they stop and they recognize like they actually say we've been hard on him like they acknowledge it. They own what they're doing. They like verbalize the thing that they're doing and they know it. It's so forced though. Like the first 30 minutes, they're just making fun of him. They're like, ha ha, what a nerd. Even though he's the reason they're going on this expedition and getting paid in the first place. Not, no thank you to him for spearheading this entire thing. I, okay, maybe I've seen way more stories with, like I said, ragtag band of misfits. I love a ragtag band of misfits kind of story. And this is how they all start. They like are, they don't go together and they all like are super different and stuff. And then they have to like learn to work together and they start to like respect the differences. And this is just how that trope works. I, I know, but it was, it felt to me like it was all trope. It was not earned in any way. It was just like paint by numbers. Like, all right, yeah, they make fun of the nerd. And then at one point they're like, all right, we should go easy on him. And then they individually all tell their backstories in a very forced scene. I don't, I, I just, I can't agree with you. I love, I love that scene. It makes me happy in so many ways. And then even at the end, they still completely go along with the evil plan of the completely evil character. But they set that up. They told you why they were like, yeah, we're just here for money. Like they very clearly stated that they were just here for money and then they change and they do the turn. And you can even see Audrey like hating herself from for like making this decision. But she knows it's the right decision, even though she's like really frustrated about it because uh, conscience. I mean, the old lady was like to me probably the only one that I actually kind of chuckled at oh, because so she much. barely said any words. I guarantee you she has murdered her husband. And has gotten away with it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and I'm totally with her on it. The the one of the jokes I did find funny was when she was just like on the phone with someone talking about <laughs> like their boyfriend problems During when like the, the ship is going down. <laughs> that was that that was one of the few jokes I found funny that were peppered in everywhere. And Helga's like, Packer, and she's like, I'm gonna call you back. No, no, honey, I'll call you. I 
love her so much. I hope I'm like her when I'm old. But she had like five lines. She had so many lines. So, yeah, the first like 30, 40 minutes, just the plot moved so fast. There was. I thought you would like that. I think it was too fast. Oh my gosh. It was too much. I just don't understand. <laughs> and then the constant like Marvel peppered with jokes that were like first ideas in the writer's room. I disagree. I just, I thought they were like super snappy one-liners. Like you get in, you get out. They're fun. I just, man, I really did not expect this. <laughs> this I mean, tonight's dinner is baked beans, musical performance to follow. It's hilarious when you're 12. Did you not actually hear the, the proper punchline after that? There was, she muttered something about like, who's writing these? Yeah, or she said, who wrote this? Yeah, and that, that was great. That was probably an actual comment from someone in the writer's room. They were like in the margins writing, who wrote this? <laughs> and then the actor just read it. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was great. I love everything about Miss Packard. She's amazing. I will, I will defend her in court any day of the week about her murdered husband. Okay. Well, I did not care about any No, sorry. Of the I other mean, characters. definitely died of natural causes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't care about any of the other characters. Don't understand. At all. <laughs> None of this is going the way I, I anticipated. Also, this was supposed to be a family film. There is a lot of death. Yes, there is. In fact, I actually wrote down, wow, intense opening. People are banging on the shield from outside as the cataclysm is coming. Yeah. Yeah. From the very open when Atlantis is being consumed by a giant tidal wave, I wasn't even thinking about that. Then the expedition sets off, and in the first seven hours, they lose like 150 people mm -hmm. and the main ship. Like, they're barely off, and everything's exploded. I have a counterpoint to that. This film is what action movies wish they were. It moves fast. It has good writing. I don't care what you say. I disagree. Okay, we disagree. Yeah, we absolutely disagree on this. Like, it it has very clear, like, setups as far as, like, jokes and payoffs. Like, the jokes are sharp and fast, and you get in and you get out. And honestly, like, you can rewatch this film multiple times and get more of them. Oh, the excellent jokes like the, um, the Jefferson Davis reference? Okay, that is my least favorite part. It is the part of this film that has aged the worst. This film came out in 2001. It's not from the 50s. Mike Frederick, 2001 is not the era you think it is. <laughs> okay, but like, really? No, I get it. I totally get it. But I submit we are still struggling with that. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, but like, it probably aged not well as soon as it came out. That. That is okay. Uh, I will say that bad. joke is 100% the worst part of this film, but it is like a drop in a film that is otherwise amazing. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, the, the, it may, again, maybe it's because I'm seeing it for the first time now and I've already seen a ton of movies do the same sort of like Americans colonialize some alien but they place. know it no they even said it like rourke has the line like near the end where he's like i prefer the term adventure capitalist and 
even though that is technically enough, he then goes on to explain if you gave back every stolen artifact, you'd be left with an empty building. They know exactly what they're doing because he's totally right. And they even like they admit that this is hugely problematic. Yeah. Even the main character, though, he's like, what's your name? And she tells him this like beautiful name in her native language and he's like ah, i'm not even gonna try we Kedana, have a nickname get out cash i think i'm probably badly mispronouncing it but i'm right. trying right but you're at least trying he didn't even try no i know and that's very much like a white person issue like we're all trying like we all need to get better i fully i fully admit that's not a great joke that plays there's just there are a lot of other jokes that do play i think there are a few jokes that play and most of them don't and well, let me Again, let me tell you I didn't some care more about reasons. Most of the characters. Let me tell you more of the reasons why you should care about these characters. Okay, okay. tell me why. So, first of all, we have multiple characters that are BIPOC characters. That is, um, biracial people of color, indigenous people, things like that. For instance, Doctor Sweet, our doctor, an incredibly intelligent and skilled person, is Black and Native American mixed race. We have Audrey. She is an engineer. The ship will stop functioning without her. And she is a Latinx young lady. Young, specifically. Like, they say that she is a teenager. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Helga, who admittedly is a baddie. But that also, like, is part of the fact that, like, there are multiple distinct female characters in this. Helga is a baddie and she kicks ass. Like, literally, she does this, like, gymnastics move over a railing to kick Rourke in the face for betraying her. And then she's like, you betray me. I will blow you up. And then you have Miss Packard. I mean, who, I do respect that move. That was no, that she was, was good. baller. Totally baller. And then Miss Packard, who's just like, we're all going to die. And she like gets out of the truck anyway. And she goes for it. And I, I adore her to pieces. Just all of these like distinct female characters. We have multiple distinct characters like who cover all spectrum of diversity and things like that. We even have men who are like being sensitive and kissing each other. I'll kiss you right on the mouth kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like not, it's not like a gay bashing joke. He's like, yep, I said, like I said I would do it and I did it and I have photographic proof. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. It was so good. I love so much about this movie. They don't shy away from those things, which honestly, that's the kind of thing now that like Disney gives you like half a second of it. It's like, oh, but no, we can't do that because the Chinese market. And it's like a full like five second bit in this mm -hmm. film. So do you need more? I have more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Okay. Can we all just appreciate the amazing joke that is Mole, a.k.a. Moliere. He's French. Moliere is an incredible comedic French playwright from, I believe, the 19th century. If it's the 18th, I apologize. And like Moliere was such a good writer and this is such a good joke because he they call him Mole. He likes the dirt. It's just it's so fun. It's such a just a silly, clever joke. I love it. And most of people will not get it. But those who of us who do, we love it. I did notice that he spoke French at one point. He I is French. Did you not realize from this horrible French accent <laughs> that he is French? And he says, I will do the dig. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is a recurring segment on this podcast. Dana does bad accents. That is a description of your accents. Yes. <laughs> That's how they go. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for pointing out some redeeming qualities. 
we also have me. okay i don't know if this is steampunk or not because it's fully made up um but miss packard mentions that she's hearing noises on the hydrophone what's a hydrophone no idea but i'm here for this made-up technology hail hydra is that what she's talking she's about? not talking about hail hydra this isn't marvel <laughs> i don't know could have fooled me oh my gosh anyway <laughs> And then, oh, so, uh, sorry, I have a whole list. I'm going to, I'm literally just going down my list at this point of things I love about this movie. Okay. So we have mentioned on previous podcasts here about how there's an issue with like these early aughts uh, TV shows and films where like someone does something blatantly sexist and then like the, there's like nothing done. Like we talked about this when we talked about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Mm -hmm. where like uh, the Invisible Man guy, whose name I forget. Skinner. Skinner. Oh, there we go. Well done. Like, You're welcome. He comes up and like basically assaults Mina and they're just like, meh, meh, meh. Anyway, moving on. Meh. Yeah. Kida punches Mole right in the face and knocks him over for this. And like, it's just that little difference of like doing nothing versus like punching sexism in the face. And not only that, it doesn't even end there. Sweet actually applauds and is like, I like her. And Audrey's like, I'm sad. It wasn't me. Like there's, <laughs> there's like support for this action. And it's so good. Yeah. Oh, Cause they don't like him. Cause mole is terrible. He's mostly, he's just like French and weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they don't make him very likable. No, I know. Like he's, 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 not he's not great but like at least like that's that's very much like an exemplary moment of like this is how we deal with this and it's so good and then mm-hmm. like i said their support it's the best also uh, by the way another steampunk thing there was goggles on a gas mask we have goggles coming in we have the look of that like creepy like big goggled kind of look okay just, I'm, I'm just gonna i'm gonna throwing things at you until you <laughs> like this film <laughs> until you see things my way wow. it's gonna work eventually solid strategy <laughs> just keep trying <laughs> maybe it'll work no you never know you never oh know oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh okay one one more thing that i want to point out assuming i don't think of something else that i really love and this more just has to do with like again it being steampunk and kind of thing a bunch of the men are wearing jodhpurs. I don't know if that means anything to you, but jodhpurs are like kind of an established like no, male no fashion. Okay. They're like the pants with like the weird bulges off the thighs. Okay. Um, It's just another like steampunk fashion thing. And it just makes me happy that like, it was just like a detail. They're a ridiculous piece of attire, but they included them even though they look insane. Okay. Yeah. All right. So unless I think of something else, that's all I have for the moment. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the story okay. <laughs> of like what was going on. I think there was a couple of interesting things that maybe I wish there was a little more focus on or that was fleshed out more. I actually liked the like the Leonard Nimoy character. Oh, Leonard Nimoy. Love him. I heard the voice. I was like, I know that voice. And then I and then I, I figured it out. Of he was course. doing like a a little more gravelly, like very gravelly, like old Spock. Yeah. You know, super old Spock, super old Spock. But uh, yeah, he he was great. He brought some some good gravitas mm-hmm. to to the film. And kind of once they got to Atlantis, it was a little more interesting because then there was some more proper dis- like there was discovery. You're discovering the technology. He was 
interpreting the language mm-hmm. for the people that were there. Not sure how they lost the language if all the people are a thousand years, like thousands of years old. Do you and- know, I thought about that and it really, it really took me a bit down an interesting path of thought about language and written language and linguistics and things. Cause really like in the end, all language can come to the same thing. Basically like it's just a matter of translation. One assumes that in this film, they have a different lit- written language now than they used to in the same way that like we now interpret ancient Greek and hieroglyphics into English in that like. Well, wh- one thing they I think they really like shortcutted mm-hmm. quite a bit is in the very beginning. He's like, oh, this one letter was translated incorrectly. Uh-huh. Most different languages don't translate to English like letter by letter. You, it's word to word is more or even phrase to phrase you're not going to have it's not like a code other languages aren't code for english would you like to hear a fun fact about this movie sure so for this film they hired the same guy who wrote the klingon language and oh there was another language that he also wrote for and i'm i'm forgetting it um but essentially he wrote a i think it was 29 letter alphabet for this language Mm mm-hmm and you can learn to speak it in the same way you can learn to speak Klingon. Okay. Yeah. So I I think that maybe a lot of direct translation can be done. Now, granted, our our alphabet has 26 letters, so clearly there are some phonetic differences. But there mm-hmm. are also, I think there's 28 letters in the Spanish language because they have the N with the tilde over. Right. Um, And the double L makes a Y sound. Sure. So... A lot of it is direct, but not all of it. So it's probably the same kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's a. I could tell that they were speaking a language that somebody wrote. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, I believe they like wrote a language for this film. Mm-hmm. And that was like fully fleshed out and everything. And the writing, though, all I'm saying is that like writing in other languages doesn't translate like letter by letter to English. Like he did in the beginning where it's like, no, not Ireland. It's Iceland. Mm-hmm. The word for Iceland is not going to be the same number of letters in another language as it is in English. I see what you're saying. That's in what fact, all I'm like, saying. The name of Iceland was probably even totally different. Right. Exactly. I understand what you're saying. But it was a shorthand to try and show that right. like, he's good with the language and stuff. And he had learned how to read this language. The original thing I was saying is if all these same people were alive when Atlantis collapsed... Why do none of those people know how to operate the technology or read the written language? Did just like all of the smart people not survive the cataclysm or what happened? I don't know. Okay, that is a fair point because a bunch of those people were adults who we saw survive. Mm-hmm. Like okay. her dad. Well, her dad's blind now. Right. So there's that. Sure. But um, did he not know how to operate the, the crystal and the... I don't know. Maybe it was a specialized the blind skill. dune buggies or whatever they had. I mean, I don't know. They they didn't tell us whether or not those were like specialty operators, kind of like a CDL license or something now. <laughs> I don't know. That was so, all the fighter classes. All the fighter class like died off in the cataclysm. I don't know. And they're the only ones that knew how to Maybe? operate I mean, the machinery. They, a bunch of them were like flying in and then got overtaken by the wave. So maybe they were in fact like specially trained just to fly those things and they all got taken out like on their way in Mm -hmm. so maybe but i I understand what you're saying there's a little bit of a plot hole a little tiny no no no, whatever okay it doesn't it doesn't mean i love this movie any less 
other thing I wrote down is I had a guess at one point okay. that I was guessing that Milo's grandfather was still alive in oh, Atlantis really? somehow. Oh. It was a total guess. I thought there was going to be some sort of reveal later. Uh-huh. It was heavily hinted that they said that Rourke headed up the mission to Iceland to uh-huh. recover the journal. Yeah. What they called it. The yeah. Something, the Shepherd's Journal. Shepherd's Journal. Yeah. And I think it was heavily hinted that Rourke killed his grandfather because he was saying to Milo, like, oh, yeah, come along and, you know, join our side of raiding and looting. You know, don't be like your grandfather. I thought there's gonna be some sort of reveal, either that he killed him Mm -hmm. or that he thought he killed him, but he like made it to Atlantis and survived somehow because of the crystals. I don't know. I was I was waiting for more there, but I I think that that is part of the backstory. I'm not clear on when his grandfather died because um John Mulhoney said I forget his his character's name. Whitmore or something? Whitmore, yeah. He um he said your grandfather died a broken man. Like I definitely got heavy hints that like they were like best buddies. Yeah. So I feel like he was there when his granddad died. And I don't know when granddad died because Milo's like sentimental picture of him and his granddad together is when Milo's like a little kid. Mm-hmm. So I feel like his granddad died kind of a long time ago. Yeah. We that... don't know exactly when it happened. Yeah, that was the sense I got too. Mm-hmm. Was that it was a while ago, but Rourke headed up the Iceland mission. Yeah. We knew that. But Milo was the one who figured out the thing about Iceland, and he probably didn't figure it out like 10 years ago. He yeah. probably figured it out like fairly recently. So I think sure. his granddad died before he figured that part out. Yeah. He figured it out just recently. And, you know, when we open with the, with the, present day, mm-hmm. it's, you know, he's practicing his TED talk mm-hmm. for the. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Great TED Talk, which, by the way, I have to say, Milo does such a good job. Like, it's a really good, like, unsaid pro tip, though, where, like, if you're trying, if you're practicing for, like, a public speaking event, practice in front of a bunch of dummies. Yeah. That's a great tactic. No, for sure. I did think it was kind of funny in the beginning when he was literally chasing the old men yeah. at the university or the museum or whatever. I like his, gu- his, uh, his gumption. But those those old stuffy guys were literally afraid to hear him speak <laughs> because he might say something that makes sense and they don't want to change their minds. That I feels guess. very accurate to real life. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where the joke is. I mean, that is the joke, I think. <laughs> Fun fact, the guy who played, um, I think it was Harding or Hardkin or something like that, the guy who like he eventually cornered in the carriage and whatnot, or the 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 car. Yeah. In order to talk to him and make his case. Same guy who did the voice of uh, Governor Radcliffe in Pocahontas. He did a okay. ton of Disney characters. Because I, I was hearing him talk. I'm like, I know that voice. I know I've heard it. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, he's done like a ton of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of a lot of crossover in the, in the Disney animated voice acting. And yeah. All that kind of stuff. And all I think for a long, long time... And I think maybe still, I'm not 100% sure. I think I think Disney's branched out a little bit, but I think their way of doing things for like the longest time was you had like one really big name like screen actor be the voice of the main character and then a whole bunch of like career voice actors who nobody really knows what they look like mm-hmm. doing all the other voices. And I, that there's an exception because again, John Mulhoney, 
is doing Whitmore and uh oh my gosh, James Gardner. That's his name. He was yeah. uh he was the guy who did Rourke and he was a screen actor. He was in Maverick, for instance. Okay. Um I thought I recognized his voice. Maybe that's I... a movie we should do for this podcast as well. Anyway. I don't know. Oh, I know. You hate that film. <laughs> you have more of this dynamic going on than maybe. <laughs> I actually know you hate that film ahead of time, yeah. so that's different. But anyway. Yeah, so they had a couple... And not just because the poker scenes are completely unrealistic. Whatever. <laughs> but, like, so they had a couple of screen actors. But, like, otherwise, it's mostly, like, career voice actors. Like, I looked up Summer Cree, who does Kida, and she does a bunch of voice acting in, like, cartoons. The uh, woman who did Helga, whose name I don't remember, uh, she does a bunch of video games. In fact, she mm -hmm. was um, Ayla, the Huntress, in Skyrim. So if you've played that video game, you probably run into her, at least if you've done the werewolf storyline. No, werewolf storyline? Anyway, one of the other storylines. One of those things. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Probably yeah. werewolf involved somewhere, yeah. Probably. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I do I do find that kind of interesting, just that mm -hmm. dynamic of how they tend to do things. Yeah. But as far as the story and everything, mm -hmm. I, I didn't mind the opening part. Mm-hmm the it from the point where the old guy Whitmore was basically like yeah I was hoping you give that answer like we arranged everything and it's all gonna happen yeah kind of from there until they get to Atlantis I thought it was a whole lot of rushed and a whole lot of like jokes that I don't think were very funny I just don't understand and there was there was something there around the story about Atlantis I think that might be where maybe the main ideas around this movie started mm -hmm. and that there's some cool ideas there about the technology and like why it fell and what powers it mm -hmm. and the, the whole mythos behind that. But it, it felt like kind of two different movies. I don't know. Um, in, in some way to me, just because they had all those characters mm -hmm. and you had to go from, and, and they had to transition from this is your team and they have, the thing where they're trying to get to know each other and become friends as a team. And then they all betray him. And then they have to turn back around. Just that whole thing, I think, was a bit much. I, I It would have been, I think, easier and cleaner if the bad guys were just bad the whole time. I don't And agree. not this double-crossing thing. I, I like the complexity of these characters. Even the order in which they they turned away from Rourke. Like you saw Dr. Sweet initially when the like King of Atlantis, like mm -hmm. Leonard Nimoy gets punched and Sweet is like, this is not what we talked about. And like, that's kind of his turning point. Like he's already turned away by the time, like the rest of them turn, like he's up there taking care of the King. And then there's Audrey who, yeah, like, like I said, they all had that conversation. Like, yeah, we're doing this for the money, but like, Audrey is not really old enough to be jaded yet. Mm -hmm. And then literally the oldest one of them, Mrs. Packard is like, we're all going to die. Like in, it kind of goes like in, uh, to me, it, the order makes sense mm -hmm. as far as like when they make their decision and whatnot. I, I don't know. It just, it totally works for me. Also on just the, the complexity of those characters this is this is a little bit tangential, but it also just makes me really happy. Okay. Where they have the I know you don't like the whole conversation where they're all just like sharing their backstory. I know it you so hate forced. that. I it was just, so forced. I kind of love it. I just uh, I love 
I love like everybody just like having this little moment and they, we did the same thing in what was it? Suicide squad. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of like scenes like that. And you even called it when we watched that film, like that guy didn't get like a proper intro. He's going to die immediately. And he, (laughs) he sure did. But, um, yeah. So like Audrey even has her moment where she was like, oh yeah, my dad wanted sons, one to like be the heavyweight boxing champion and one to like work in his garage for him. But he got me and my sister. And then Milo's like, so what does your sister do? And she's like, oh, she's up for the title. It's fine. Like they, they don't, coming. they don't even like make I a thing of coming. it of them being, being female. Like they're just like, this is the way it is. Like there's no like weird justification for it. Like happens in so many things. They're just like, yeah, we just did that thing instead. Like that was yeah. very much the way I was raised and it makes me extremely happy. Like in a, in a household full of girls, like mm-hmm. it just makes me happy. It hit me a little bit differently. And that like, it felt to me like the joke was, Oh, you wouldn't expect girls to be able to do stuff. Would you? That's the joke, but it, I don't it, think it's a joke. I think it's very much like taking that idea and just turning it on its head. Like, yeah, this is the way it is. Deal with yeah. It. I just, I just saw that one coming before she even said the line. No, I mean, and because we have very different experiences growing up and with media, because growing up in media, especially in the eighties and early nineties, like it was like, there was like the token female and if she was like, she was either a tomboy or she was the pretty one. There was no in between. And then like, if you had any kind of like deviation from that, there was like a weird justification for it mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, I had brothers or something like they right. couldn't just be that way because that's what they're into or that's what they like. And I like that this movie doesn't do that weird justification thing of like, no, that's what we're into. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And and I'm sure this is one of the many ways in which it hits us differently and that you watched it at the time uh-huh. and I'm seeing it now, uh-huh. you know, having seen other movies and things for the last 20 years uh-huh. and also knowing when this fil- film came out mm-hmm. and that like I'm placing it in that time more when I'm watching it than mm-hmm. when you watch it at the time, you're just you're just in the moment in the present it's it's a different experience i I think that might be my biggest takeaway from watching this movie with you is just kind of how we experience movies and how things you know vibe with us or don't Mm -hmm. based on where we're at and where the movie is because we we've we had very different experiences with this one clearly i have a question for you then okay this you may not have even like noticed this or clocked it or whatever like so at the end something else that made me really happy mm-hmm. so like they don't kiss like milo and Kita. obviously they're like the romantic kind of couple or whatever right but they don't kiss like i did notice that, that yeah yeah that moment where she like comes out of the whole like crystal power trance thing mm-hmm. whatever and like they kind of like look at each other that would be a hundred percent the point in like most movies where they kiss but they don't like she is tired. She is exhausted. She has just saved the day and she knows her father is dead. Like she just needs a hug and she needs support and she needs to honor him. And she does, you know, in the Atlantean customary way of carving his giant face on a statue and sending it to float in the sky. Like that's what she needs. And they Mm -hmm. don't like just steamroll over that with like a forced romantic thing and it just it makes me really happy and like they just hold hands like they hold hands together like while they have this like beautiful honoring moment 
grieving her dad and remembering him and honoring mm-hmm. him and everything. Like, I don't know. Did you clock that at all? I, I clocked that they didn't kiss, even though they their faces were like poised to. And yeah. I was like, are they going to do this? And then when they didn't, I was like, OK, that makes sense. It's a Disney film. They kind of. No, in Disney films, they do it all the time. At, d- during that time? did Yes. They? Like they do it at the end of Pocahontas. They do it at the end of Cinderella. They do it at the end of every film. Hmm. But didn't Cinderella end with a wedding? Yes. So that makes a little more sense. Mm. But yeah. And this this one is still like, they met yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it also makes sense in that context. At least, you know, they're Even, sort of seeing it through a somewhat realistic lens of that. Like, we met yesterday. Yeah, but like, even though Anna and Kristoff in Frozen just met like yesterday it ends with a kiss it doesn't end with them being married because they made that joke in the beginning you can't marry someone you just met mm-hmm. they still end with a kiss doesn't a little more time pass than that one no it's been like a day really? okay yeah i watched that once and tried not to remember it oh my gosh okay <laughs> i really like the first person as well okay it, it, it was it was pretty good i understand that the song it's totally pervasive and it kind of ruined things for people but whatever yeah, strong, strongly dislike the song. I know. From like a songwriting perspective, at least. <laughs> yeah, so, but we don't have to get into that. That's a all different that. conversation. That's a different podcast entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Not one about movies, yeah. even. Um, okay, so a couple other random things through my notes. One I had was that near the beginning, I thought Whitmore and Cookie were the same character, and they both looked like <laughs> Jafar's old man disguise in the beginning of Aladdin. You know, when he's in the jail with Aladdin oh, and he's got like the teeth falling out of his face like and stuff. And it's like weirdly creepy. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I had, Actually, I genuinely like purged that from my brain. <laughs> no, it's my favorite Disney movie. So I remember a lot of it. Right. Yeah. No, but I thought those were the same character at first and they both look like uh, disguised Jafar. I do have questions about this art team because I actually really like the art style in this. Like it's kind of angular. Mm hmm. And also, like, I like exaggerated features on characters and whatnot. Like, you yeah. have Milo and, like, his eyes are actually bigger than any of the other characters because they're behind these, like, what is presumably thick glasses. Right. You know, I I just... And, like, Sweet is huge. By the way, the internet thinks that Terry Crews would be the perfect casting for Sweet, and I agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. I just... I like exaggerated features on characters. But you were, you were talking about um, how Whitmore and Cookie look the same to you. Yeah. So I was a bit confused. I thought they were the same character for a while. I le- I figured out later that they weren't. Um, so that was just a random thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing I had was I thought it was an interesting choice to start with the flashback to Atlantis crumbling. Uh-huh. Because starting that way lets us, the viewer, know right away that Milo is not crazy. Yeah. That he is correct about everything that he's saying. Mm-hmm. So there's really no question from our perspective mm-hmm. on if what he's saying has validity or if Atlantis is real. So when all these other characters are coming along and saying, oh, it's not real. Oh, it's made up. Like, we know that they're wrong. So I think that takes away some some dramatic tension yeah. for me when I'm watching a film setting up that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think having watch the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. i think at the beginning i was like well, why'd they show us that first now we, there's no mystery we don't like we even see what it looked like mm-hmm. 
but at the end, I, I think the reason they did it is because they wanted to bookend it with Atlantis because it's the coolest part of the entire thing. Sure. So they wanted to show us that, mm -hmm. which is another reason why I thought like kind of that middle part of the journey was kind of muddled and not that interesting to me. Uh -huh. I was more into like the lore and the how Atlantis is a thing and how it got lost and mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Maybe even more into you know how they found the journal i wanted to get i wanted to have like uh indiana jones and the last crusade vibes so they're like going through the journal and figuring out all the riddles but they again they like yada yada passed most of that in a montage so given that this film is 140 minutes long mm -hmm. and let's say you got to have complete creative control what would you have changed and how would you have changed it I don't know. I'm not a movie maker. <laughs> I'm just sitting behind a microphone. I just have opinions. Yeah, I just have my own opinions. Do it differently and better. That's what I say. <laughs> Would you have included the expedition to Iceland? I don't know. Again, it, yes, there was a lot to, of story to tell. Mm -hmm. At least maybe tie it in more or like throw in some some hints or maybe there were like stuff that his grandfather wrote in the margins that could like hint back to other things. I don't know. I wanted more again, I wanted more Atlantis lore. I want I wanted less of the forced banter between Milo and the shipmates that I didn't care about mostly. Will it help you if I try to fill in some Atlantis lore that I I read through the through between the lines? Sure. Let's okay. do that. So here's the thing. Um I like the thing with Kida where she sort of takes off her like shawl thingy and Milo is like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh. It looks like you're getting undressed. <laughs> and she's like, uh, you know how to swim. Right. And like, this makes sense because they are a sea dependent culture. Mm -hmm. They live on the sea. So like, obviously they are ready to go swimming at any point. Like most of the males in the society, like they don't even wear shirts. Mm -hmm. like they're just like ready to go swimming at any point and so i thought that was like a good little detail mm -hmm. so we didn't have to labor over like i don't know just like unnecessary clothes that actually don't make sense for this culture mm -hmm. and it was just you know it was an easy way for like milo to have like a, a dorkable kind of moment whatever <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so i liked that i like that they are a culture who are kind of like sort of like caught between like picking up where they left off and also like creating themselves anew since they basically like got buried mm -hmm. in like the great cataclysm. Like they used to be above ground and now they're below the surface and kind of living off of whatever they're able to get their hands on. Also the fact that there are completely different creatures in this world was very cool. And mm -hmm. I, I can see a lot of, um, I guess, similarities between like them and say like a Mediterranean culture. Like they caught those like big, weird purple lobster things mm -hmm. as food. They also have noodles, which I have heard some people say are like a universal, like every culture has some form of noodle, which I can see because yeah. they had like that, like thing that like Milo was trying to eat. Also, did you notice that the utensils were even different? No, nope, didn't notice that. So fun fact, um, a lot of our modern utensils, except for knives, knives has sort of always been around, but like, Forks and spoons kind of didn't become what they were until like the 15th-ish century. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So, and this is Something a Something I've pre literally never thought about. Oh my gosh. There's some really good books on it I can recommend. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, do you notice they had like kind of like a curly cue kind of utensil? Because this 
culture evolved completely separately from basically the rest of the world. So mm -hmm. they'll have developed their own form of utensils. I just yeah. thought I just thought that like some of the little details of this were very good as far as like developing a culture that has basically been isolated for what they say, 1800 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something like that. And I thought it was 8,500. Oh, you said? maybe it was 8,500. You're right. Yeah. Cause he Even was saying longer. how, the, how old she would be is 8,500 years old. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, yeah, what of it? Uh huh. They did. I do think they built a lot of those details into the like nonverbal details of the film. Like a lot of the, the background stuff. Yeah. They, they showed some of that stuff. Again, once we were in Atlantis, sure. it was more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The earlier stuff was kind of forced and like very linear, very like they talk about a thing, then thing happens. Uh -huh. And then this is the next thing. This is the, the thing that happens. Like there was some stuff that was set up, like the missing page in the book that did come back later. Sure. But again, how did... Rourke get that? Did he, I guess, steal it on the last oh, mission? He, he definitely like ripped it out before he even met Milo. But how would he know that's important? Because he can't read it? I don't know. Well, because it talks about like the big magic crystal power. But in the other language. I guess he just saw the picture of the shiny thing. Yeah, and, exactly. But I don't know. Um, the uh, earlier thing where they have the the Leviathan yeah. layer. Uh-huh. It's basically he's talking about it and then it shows up cool right away. Mm -hmm. uh, Again, the, you have to also remember that like this is a movie made for children. I know. Short attention spans. I know. Again, different experience. Yeah. I'm watching it now. I watch a lot more children's programming than you do. Yeah. But usually like I watch like Pixar and DreamWorks and mm -hmm. stuff. And I, I, I feel like the. The storytelling is just smoother and more cohesive than mm -hmm. this one. I thought this one was a bit a like, you know, in fits and starts or like either going way too fast or, you know, trying to cover too much ground. Uh -huh. I, I, I do, and I do think that part of how the story was told in that way mm -hmm. is what made me start to like really not be vibing with it. Okay. And when that happens, like when I get into a film like 20 minutes or so and I'm like, huh. I don't think I'm really vibing with this. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely colors the rest of my experience for the rest of the film. Okay. I'm viewing it in kind of a different way where I'm not completely sucked in. I'm not really bought into the story and the characters as much. So mm -hmm. I'll probably see more things that, that I think either don't make sense or I don't like. I'm being more critical and I'm less immersed in the story i i see that i get this a lot with books where like if i'm just not on board like i'll i'll start to just like have more and more problems with it i get that that's fair yeah i i think that had a lot to do with my experience was the the early part of the movie mm -hmm. being a bit jumbled and uh it kind, it's kind of lost me early okay well yeah. I, I wanted more of an adventure like a adventure of discovery and finding all this cool stuff about atlantis mm -hmm. i got a little beginning I got a little bit at the end mm -hmm. and those, those I think were the best parts, but left me wanting, you know, something better. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Is part of your issue with like the magic crystal power source? No. Oh, really? You're okay with that? No, that's fine. Okay, cool. I mean, I think I would have maybe wanted to know a little bit more uh -huh. about it. I, I, I do want to mention just a little bit that how insanely dumb Rourke's plan was 
can we can we talk about that before we end this Rourke podcast? Rourke is a man who sees everything as a nail, and he is a hammer. He sees everything as a dollar amount. Yeah. When it it's so phenomenally dumb. <laughs> uh, first first off, mm-hmm. you make contact with this ancient, highly technological, crazy advanced civilization, mm-hmm. and it's. And they welcome them in at first. Well, sort of welcome them in. They give them a day. They give them a day. Don't try to set up like any kind of, uh, you know, diplomatic relations. Mm-hmm. Don't become allies. Don't find out what they might need. Then you can give them and then they can give you stuff that you need. Mm-hmm. And maybe trade, you know, a thing that's been going on for millennia between humans and tribes and peoples and stuff. No, just come in guns first. Just shoot and punch first that was very much his character i know but still phenomenally stupid i know and then you find out that the thing you thought was like i don't know a magic nuclear power source or the power of the sun that you could make in a bunch of weapons it's this crystal that inhabits the body of a person and he's like put it in a cage we'll take it with us what could go wrong? I mean, that is kind of very much like the steampunk era mindset. But like, what are you going to do with that? You don't even know what it is or how it works or how to monetize it. You're just seeing a shiny thing yeah. and saying, I bet I could sell that to someone. Uh-huh. Put it in a cage. So dumb. I mean, we both know that. <laughs> I know, but I don't know. And maybe again, maybe it's it's these children's movies. They make the bad guys comically bad Mm -hmm. so that you're like okay yeah he's the bad guy rooting against him but But it should stand up to some scrutiny there should be like a sliver of a good idea behind a bad like a good villain is he not kind of like the total like you know armed forces guy that that does seem to be very much like the military mindset yeah he's like the guy in avatar the general in avatar he's like we're just going to come in and shoot them up. But it, at least in Avatar, they knew what the substance was and mm-hmm. what they could do with it. Sure. They had done the discovery of part of it. Uh-huh. This guy came in, discovered it, and was like, I don't know what it is. I'm just going to take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. I know. I know. It's it's a fair, a fair criticism. Slash and rant. Yep. That's... Uh, that's, that's the last of my thoughts. Do you have any closing thoughts before we... Rate this movie, Dana. I love this movie. I think it's great. <laughs> I stand by this film. I'm I love happy. it so much. And I think anybody who hasn't seen it should see it because it's highly underrated. I'm happy for you. Also, why does Princess Kida not have more merchandise like all the rest of the Disney princesses? Because she only has like 15 minutes of screen time. No, she's amazing. She speaks multiple languages. She kicks butt. Like she is a ruler of her people. She does so many things and she's so underrated. Because the movie flopped and they're not proud of it. Disney. You have to stay you have to stand by your princess princesses, Disney. I I mean I kind of see why it flopped, but you know, I kind of see I kind of see that side of it. So (laughs) that being said, we rate movies not based on any real critical uh criteria. But first, we rate how steampunk a film is on a scale from one to five steam engines. Mm-hmm. Dana, how steampunk do you think this movie is? Well, based on the pneumatic tubes, the hydrophone, the gas masks with goggles, and the 20,000 Leagues Nautilus type ship that we get to be on, I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five. 
Okay. I think it only deserves like two <laughs> because it's after Victorian era. It's got more like diesel punk slash like even sort of like the Atlantean stuff is kind of cyberpunk. Magic punk is what you're thinking of. Sure. Yeah. But it has that like Blade Runner 2049, like glowy lines kind of look to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't think it's very steampunk. I think it's only I think it's only deserves two. Can, okay. can we meet in the middle somewhere? We can average it out to three. Okay. That is how math works as I understand it. It's we have to the way we've set up our system, we have to compromise on this. Sure, so sure, sure. Yeah. Three out of five <laughs> steam engines. And then we each rate the film just on how much we enjoyed it. How much did we enjoy watching the film this time? Uh, Dana, on a scale from one to five gears, how much did you enjoy this film? Five. I give it five and anyone can fight me over it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to fight you, <laughs> but I'm going to give it on a scale of one to five top hats. It's going to get for me uh, two top hats. <laughs> So yeah, I'll go with two. That's honestly more generous than I thought you were going to be. It's more generous than I thought I was going to be as well. <laughs> I may be intimidated into giving it an extra half or one. It's my enthusiasm just bowling you over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your enthusiasm uh, made me give it a little bit more. No, I think two no, is fine. Give it, give it an honest rating. I, be I, honest. I, don't know. I, I, I liked the ending kind of. I like the Atlantis parts. Talking about it has colored my experience somewhat. Mm-hmm. So I will, I can still give you credit for enhancing my experience. Uh, yeah, like one and a half or two top hats, something like that. Did you, sorry, I should have asked this earlier, but did you enjoy, um, what's his face, Jim Varney? Like his his performance at least he was the one that played cookie right yeah that's correct uh, i did not okay. care really okay because you were talking about jim varney on the front end and i just wasn't sure he was just one of the top build cast okay well uh, i i don't have like a personal connection to him or anything or you know the earnest films or anything <laughs> like that so meh whatever okay well that's that's a generous two top hats from you yeah yeah and on that note, tell us how many top hats you would give the film. Or gears, or choose your own symbol, either way. Yeah, whatever you want to scale. Tell us what you thought of Atlantis, The Lost Empire. You can tweet at us at Steam Powered Pod. We may set up a Threads account. Uh, it's the new thing. It's it is taking the hot over. new thing. So get at us, get in the comments, tell us what you think. Go to steampoweredmovies.com for more information on past and future episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening. And let to us know if us. there's something that you want us to watch that you think we should have a go at. Yep. If you make a recommendation to us and we cover it on this podcast, we'll give you credit. So do that. Tune in next time for another steam powered movie. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> I think this one's going to need some heavy editing already. (laughs) Like all of your opinions.